the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. You're listening to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. We're bringing on an author now whose last name I'm going to try to pronounce, Suzuki. Did I get it right? Ed Suzuki? That's definitely how it looks. It's uh, Suzuki. Suzuki. Um, I'm yeah, close. it's Americanized, Americanized Polish. <laughs> okay, very good. Well, I'm sure I'm not the first, but I'll try to remember. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, very good. Well, more, much more importantly, um, you have a book out that we wanted to talk about, and it's called Flee, Be Silent, Pray, and uh, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians. And I had a chance to go through quite a bit of it, and um, I like it. I like what you have to say, and uh, I thought we could tackle it, maybe even just starting with why you wrote it, and then we can kind of unpack it a bit. Maybe the title and some of the some of the terms you bring up are also interesting, too. So Sure, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah thanks for having me, and this feels a little bit like a homecoming because I uh, grew up in the Philadelphia area. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I listened, listened to WFIL. My dad advertised his plumbing company on uh, WFIL growing up, too. So Really? Um, yeah, so there's a little bit of a connection. I've you know been to the studios with him and things like that. You know when he was placing his ad. So, you know, where this book comes out of is just a you know, desire to learn prayer. And I was a, a theology student, went to seminary, and just felt like I had that feeling that you could never pray enough. And there was this guilt about prayer, hmm. and I never quite knew what to say or, or what to do. And and I think that without blaming anybody, I think that there's just the people who were my teachers, they taught me a lot about studying the Bible, but I didn't have a firm grasp on how to pray. And I just don't, I think that's a discipline that at least in my circles growing up wasn't really, wasn't really communicated to them. So they passed on what they knew to me, but basically prayer was just talking, right? And, you know, the the stories in the Bible of Jesus going off to pray all night or, you know, 40 days in the wilderness, there is that that sense of confusion for me of, you know, what was he doing? (laughs) You know? Right. you can't talk all night. You can't spend 40 days talking. So what did prayer look like for Jesus? And as I read and studied about prayer in, in the Church, in the history of the Church, what I found is that the desert fathers and mothers, they kind of had those kinds of questions, too. And they read the Psalms about waiting on the Lord in silence. And they used Scripture to pray, basically. They used the, the prayer of the tax collectors, uh, Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me, a sinner. Mm-hmm. and they use that prayer to quiet themselves and to be still before God. And I, and I think that, you know, historically we kind of lost track of that. And, you know, right now there's a movement to kind of rediscover that quiet, silent prayer of, of being still before the Lord. And so uh, that, to me, just proved a really stable place to move forward, where I, I learned that I don't have to bring anything necessarily to prayer. I need to become present and make space for prayer. And that changed me from trying to strive to do something or to reach an end to to just be present for God. And, and so it was a it was a big mindset shift that 
started out with scripture and went, went back to some of the roots of the church and has, has really changed how I pray each day. Ed Zizeski is our uh, guest. He has written a book called Flee, Be Silent, Pray. Uh, and maybe you could do a good, a good time to kind of tell a little bit of your story, your path, um, in, in terms of the anxiety. One of the phrases that is in your book, uh, you, you talk about, um, you know, an anxious evangelical. And uh, I, could, I would right. say if I had to pick something, that's probably me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure there are a lot of people who, and I can tell you what I think what that means, but I'd rather hear what you think what it means. I, I bet there's a lot of overlap. So, Yeah, so if I was going to become a missionary to American evangelicals today, um, you know, kind of like take what I learned from the missionaries I've known and the you know, mission classes I took in seminary, yeah. I would say that the American quote-unquote mission field is very much impacted by a kind of like a growth mindset you know, like that we're, we're used to kind of, you know, prosperity and growth and kind of tracking and measuring our progress. And we, we want to have results. We want to be able to count the number of people who get saved. or We want to be able to track how many people come to church. And, you know, and that puts pastors of, of smaller congregations in a tough spot, I think, if they're in a small town um, like I am. What do, you, what do you do when, you know, you live in a small town and you can't, you know, track all that growth. So yeah. that kind of can lead, you know, on a personal level, can lead to the anxiety of, you know, am I having uh, a certain number of encounters with God? Do I have the results? You know, I think part of the uh, breaking point for me, too, was being exposed to oh, the, kind of the more charismatic side of the faith. And these people were having visions and prophecies, and they were praying over people. And, and you know, people prayed over me and knew personal details that no one could have yeah, I, I never told them. You know, how did they know that? Yeah. And so you, you you encounter these more spectacular gifts that some people have, and you know, other people have other gifts. But it's easy to just feel bad about yourself because you're just not making enough progress. You're not praying enough hours or whatever. And what this way of prayer um, helps me do is it it's it starts out with an assumption of taking scripture at its word that the Holy Spirit is within you and praying. In, in you and, and, you know, saying, you know, uh, pleading your case in words you can't, you can't even think of, and, and that Jesus is an advocate for you, that the, the words of Scripture are true, that God is present in your life. And so when you pray, you're not, you're not summoning God or begging God to come down to you. It's that God is already present in you through the Holy Spirit, mm. uh, just as Jesus promised. And then you begin with that as your starting point, that God, you're already present, I need to to kind of clear away the clutter of my mind to be present for you. And so it's not an emptying of thoughts. It's a more of a, a focus on God. And that's why the, the Desert Fathers and Mothers use a prayer, or they sometimes use like a prayer word, just a word like beloved uh, or something like that, just to, to refocus their attention on God and to be present for God. You know, so it can get confusing, I think, sometimes when you hear different uh, different takes on this form of prayer, and people can get a little bit emotional about it. But, you know, really, if you look back at the roots of it, it's all just taking the words of Scripture seriously and then using the words of Scripture to pray. And it's very simple, and I think that sometimes maybe the simplicity can be deceptive because we bring so much already, so much baggage that we have to kind of go through in the process. And that, you know, that anxiety of, you know, I want to track my progress and see what kind of progress I'm making. Yeah. And, and honestly, it's grace. We're, we're, just, we're just trying to rest in God's grace. Yeah. And that's something you really can't measure and track and, and give progress reports. And, and you, know, you can't do a chart, you know, to you know, track right. how you're progressing in, in resting in God's grace. Yeah. Uh, it's a very different, a different mindset. So I think that 
the American culture can make us kind of anxious Christians or anxious evangelicals. And this type of prayer is more about grace and rest and, and, and trust in, in what God's already doing in us. Ed Szeski, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. His book is called Flee, Be Silent, Pray, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians. And uh, a lot of good thoughts there, you know. And it, it is a bit of a fine line at times. For example, just, say, reading the Bible through in a year, which is often a goal folks will have in January. And it can be a great thing to read through the Bible, a wonderful thing. But it can also be uh, a guilt thing or I'm behind already. It's only the first week of January. And uh, so anyway, again, where does it come from? Are the things we're trying to do in terms of reading God's word or living for him? Are they coming from a place of we know we're loved, so we're living out of that love? Or is it a pile of things that we're supposed to, quote, unquote, do, you know, quote, unquote, do because we're a Christian? Right. Yeah. I mean, I think that it's it's really a timeless message of you know, the, the idea of flee, be silent, pray, which I stole that from a, a Henry Nellen book, The Way of the Heart. That's, that's he uses those three words to uh, structure his book. And so I, I acknowledge that in, in the book. But it does kind of go against, I think, our, again, you know, the American culture idea of work, of hard work, which is not a bad thing, like you said. It's, it's a very good thing, but where is it, is it flowing from love, you know? And is there a, a stability that comes from our identity in God? Are we uh, serving others out of out of love for them, which is how Jesus, he wants us to serve and love our neighbors. But it gets tricky sometimes with, we have pressure, we have pressure to get out there and, and to prove ourselves. I think that uh, I went to a, a, a Christian college in the Midwest, and there was definitely a, a strain of people in the school who had a sense of kind of proving yourselves, that it was... It was almost a, uh, I don't know, like a athletic or military kind of like, you know, are you committed? Are you, you know, and yeah. again, like sure. I think that discipline and working hard is really good, but there is that sense, that exhausting sense of proving yourself worthy or, or you know, being committed enough. And, and that, you know, just being in seminary, I just got really tired of reading books that said, we need to do this, we must do this. And it was always like a list of like 10 things. And, you know, my, my joke sometimes is that I feel like Christians keep making these, like, Ten Commandments, most of the things you need to do. And it's like, Jesus came and gave us two commandments, because he was like, well, you guys had Ten Commandments, and you really blew it, so here's two, <laughs> you know? Like, you know, that's, to me, that's quintessential American Christianity of just, you know, we, we work hard, but we almost want to prove that no one will work harder than us, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. It yes. gets a little out of hand, and then we wonder why we feel a little frantic and crazy, and... And it's because there's this whole other Christian tradition that teaches us to be silent and still before God and to, to know that we're loved and to experience transformation in ways that we can't pinpoint or track or measure or, or even explain. But we just know that we've been, we've been touched by Jesus and His presence. Chatting with pastor and author Ed Szeski, brand new book called Flee, Be Silent, Pray, that we're chatting about today, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians. Quick break, we'll come back and continue our conversation on AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM560, WFIL, and at WFIL.com. AM560, WFIL, WFIL.com. Tim DeMoss Show rolling along. Thank you for listening in. Chat with pastor and author Ed Szeski, book called Flee, Be Silent, Pray. 
At one point in the book, Ed, you have an interesting uh, observation. You talk about a couple of high points in Jesus' ministry, namely his baptism, as well as the transfiguration, and how God the Father spoke to him audibly, and kind of also like the thought of what would God say to us if he appeared in a cloud and we were walking along, and you know, what would we expect him or hope for him to say to us, or you know, what do we think he might say? Right, right. Yeah, so one of the things that struck me just as I was, you know, trying to engage with the, the ministry of Jesus, and it's like, what, what does it look like to follow Jesus if he's not walking down the street? Right? Like, what does it look to, to actually follow him if you can't physically see him? And, you know, I just tried to think about his journey and how, how God the Father affirmed him, both at the beginning and at the end of his ministry, with a very—it's basically the same statement of, you are my son— whom I love. That's God's message before he did anything in his public ministry, and also right before he faced the uh, the trials of the cross. Right. And so I think that we, we can tend to think, well, that's, that's what God said to Jesus, it's not to me. But, you know, in Paul's letters, and, and also the, the Apostle John, like, they are really emphatic about the love of God. And Paul talks about, you know, to the Ephesians about uh, the height and depths and lengths and breadths of, of God's love, and it and it defies our understanding. And so what I think Jesus is, is showing us is that you know, this is our journey, too, that this is, um, and Paul, too, like they were, they're, you know, they're really trying to make it clear to us. I think that we are so, we, we tend to, to really undermine or, or overlook just how much God loves us. You know, even John three sixteen, like, God so loved the world. Like, that's, it's right there. We say it all the time, but we can think of a million reasons why God's love doesn't apply to us. And so I think that Jesus' journey can also be our journey of receiving God's love and being aware of it. And I think that's yeah. what prayer does, is it helps kind of clear away some of the clutter. And so, you know, one of the things I try to tell people when they, they start praying is to think about what kind of God they're imagining. Because if you imagine a cruel God, an angry God, a disappointed God, you're not going to pray to that God. And that's just the bottom line. I think that if you can't imagine a God worthy of your, your worship, you're not going to be very motivated to pray. And I think that's one of the big things that Jesus tried to change, is just how people viewed God, uh, you know, calling himself a doctor who came to heal, and welcoming people who were repentant, that he, he wasn't interested in dividing people from God. He was trying to, to heal and bring people back to God. And so what would you imagine if a cloud showed up over you and God said something? You know, I think for a lot of us, it would be get your act together, you know, make more time to pray or... or read your Bible more. Like, yeah, I think that we all imagine God as being, at the very least, disappointed. And what I think the journey of Jesus can show us is that you're actually God's beloved child. And if you can imagine that, that God says to you, you're my beloved child, that that may really change how you pray. Ed Szeski, our guest, uh, author of the book, Flee, Be Silent, Pray. I, one of the things you also had written uh, in there, I had a friend who um, used to struggle a lot with some of these things, and uh, one day I asked him how he was doing, and he says, I'm doing better than I'm feeling. <laughs> you know? And I really liked yep. that answer. I never forgot it. That was years ago. But it was his, yeah. uh, in, in weak faith, saying, I realize that my, my standing before God's not changed, and he loves me. I'm not feeling it, but I'm not going to live that way. Yeah. yeah. And you talk about that some in the book, too. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And I think that's a really big part of prayer that I think really tripped me up at first, because I went to a prayer service led by one of the pastors from my seminary, where we did some silent prayer and and meditated on Scripture. And 
I left thinking, well, that didn't work, you know, and I was expecting some kind of like result or feeling. And one of the teachers, a lot of the teachers of, of prayer, they, they're really emphatic about saying that, you know, prayer isn't about having this emotional experience or encounter. You may have that, but that isn't like the mark of success is having some kind of emotional encounter with God. In fact, God may even become, at least to your perception, you may feel distant because that could be an unhealthy measurement of, of your progress. And so I think where we begin with prayer is faith. We begin with the faith that, that God is present in us and that what Jesus said is true. Then we just take whatever happens, whatever happens, happens. And Thomas Keating says, you can only do uh, prayer wrong if you get up out of the room and leave. And I think, you know, stop looking at your feelings, stop looking at your thoughts. You know, Martin Laird, who's a, a teacher at Villanova, wrote, wrote in his new book, An Ocean of Light, about how if we all had these amazing encounters with God when we prayed, we'd just start writing about it in our journals all the time. Right? <laughs> you know, yeah, be, sure. You know, another, another benchmark to prove how spiritual we are. And so it, it is a lot of, a lot of faith, and, and feelings can, can get in the way of the, the spiritual reality happening beyond what we can know or, or experience. The con- uh, contemplative prayer, I just, you know, jot down a couple of questions in very, very simple, you know, way of asking you, like, so what is it? How do you do it? Yeah. You know, and what's, yeah. the, what's the goal? So the goal isn't emptiness or, like, mind, mindlessness. Right, <laughs> right. Know? The goal of contemplative prayer is to create space for God to be at work. So when I ask hundreds of people an open-ended question, what's the greatest challenge you face when you pray? Almost, I think it was over 90%, at least 90%, said distracting thoughts. Hmm. And so contemplative prayer is an ancient prayer practice of the Church that is as old as the Bible that we have, uh, even older perhaps, you know, contemplative prayer is a way that, that Christians for centuries have dealt with their thoughts. They've gone about their work, they've spent time in silence with a simple prayer word or a prayer phrase, and they've used that prayer word or phrase to let go of the thoughts they have so that they can be present for God. So it's mindfulness of God and releasing the thoughts that would, would interrupt our prayers or distract us. And so, you know, some people have used the word afflicting thoughts, the thoughts that kind of really gnaw at us. So, you know, I would say that, you know, I used to, you know, really just kind of, I think just kind of let, let thoughts get to me about, I can't believe this person said this, or I can't believe someone, you know, made this uh, statement or whatever. You can get really just distracted and overcome with a thought or obsessing over something. Sure. And what contemplative prayer helps you do is, is let go of that thought and to remember that you're beloved and beloved, and to just sit and be still before God, and to just receive whatever whatever grace God has for you. And that's, you know, in the teachers of contemplative prayer, you can look up uh, lots of different teachers on YouTube. Martin Laird is on YouTube, uh, um, Thomas Keating. You know, they, they have very simple, accessible videos. And the goal is to, to let go of thoughts and to be present for God, and to just basically receive what you already have, um, so yeah. just to be aware of it, to, to realize that God is present within you and God is love. The word that a lot of people use is centering prayer, that you're centering on a word, but I don't get caught up in yeah. you know, what we call it or, or you know, terminology. I think that the main thing is learning to be present, to let go of your thoughts. And this is a useful activity just for life. I think that if someone offends you, 
learning to let go of the offense and to stop thinking about that, uh, that can help you move toward forgiveness and just, you know, reconciliation as well. So, sure. you know, there, there are really helpful applications of this too. And it's, it's different than some of the more secular counterparts, but yeah, I think that if, if you do it, there's, there's almost a family resemblance as far as the impact that I think that it does result in just being a little bit more aware of yourself and how different events in life affect you and how you can release them to God and trust them to God and then receive the grace that God already has in your life. Pastor and author Ed Suzuki, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show, AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. His book is called Flee, Be Silent, Pray. We'll take a short break, continue our conversation with Ed Suzuki. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Continuing along with the Tim DeMoss Show. If you enjoy the program, feel free to let a friend know about it. And also the podcasts are all available at WFIL.com. Help yourself anytime you like. We're continuing our conversation with pastor and author Ed Suzeski. He's written a book called Flee, Be Silent, Pray, uh, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians. I remember reading uh, My Utmost for His Highest by Oswald Chambers years ago. And there yeah. was one page in there that I think is speaking to what you talked about just now. Um, he's, he Basically, the kind of the end of that page, it says, is my walk with the Lord becoming simpler? Um, mm-hmm. be, he says, because he was saying there's a, there is a misconception, basically to the effect of that as you mature as a believer, your life is going to get more complicated because you're going to yeah. know more stuff. You'll maybe he didn't say it this way. I don't think it was like I'm not going to be at more Bible studies. But the idea I'll be at three yeah. Bible studies instead of two. Or I'll be and and then before long you're carrying a weight on you, as opposed yeah. to and he's basically saying whether it's a matter of unlearning or, or stuff is being pushed aside as you are maturing. Your walk with the Lord is actually getting simpler. Right. Yeah. So, and not, not like you said, not like mindlessness, like you're just sitting there and everything's white and you, you're not thinking. It's just right. you're right. pushing away the things that get in the way of what already is God's truth, who he is. And then that would allow you to do all the other stuff, whether it's forgive somebody or go share the Lord with someone else. But it's coming from the right place as opposed to you, you like a pit stop where you got your information and now you're off uh, running around doing stuff, <laughs> you know, doing things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So yeah, and that's and that's I, I grew up going to uh, Calvary Chapel and listening to Joe Foch on on the radio, and that was that was his big that was his big thing was was the simplicity, and that's something I never forgot. I think that's why I think that people get nervous about these terms and practices, but when you think about what this is all based on, it's based on a simpler uh, attention to the love of God, and you know that's why I felt like as I was probably, you know, the part of the book gives my background. I had a, a ton of conflict growing up as a Catholic with the priests at my parish and uh, went to a Catholic prep school and, and had just so much conflict with these priests who didn't want me reading the Bible for myself. Right. And I have since met many Catholics who are horrified by my stories of, of these priests. But, you know, I was just about the most anti-Catholic person you could have found. Like, I... I had a Bible that was full of highlights, all the anti-Catholic stuff I could find. You know, I went mm. to seminary because I was going to show those Catholics who's boss, right? You right. know, like if anybody was suspicious of Catholicism and anything that smelled Catholic or whatever, um, 
you know, it was me. And then as I started to read the work of Henry Nowen and Brennan Manning and Thomas Merton, what I found was like just what you talked about, very, a very simple awareness of God's love. And I might disagree with a bunch of other stuff that they believe or practice or teach, but as far as the center and the heart of it, I mean, I, I felt like they were very much aligned with, with what I was learning from Joe Phillips growing up. You know, like it was like, oh yeah, like this is this is that simple love of God, and uh, it's it, that's what's transforming and powerful. And and the, the transformation doesn't come through adding another thing or doing more. It's actually just becoming more aware of what I already have. If you would take a moment and describe a little bit of what contemplative prayer like kind of looks like perhaps what what it might yeah. involve of course each person may be a little bit different but so you know the book the, you know in the book I kind of share my journey because I had a couple of hang-ups I had to kind of work through yeah and different people have different hang-ups but you know the basic practice itself is is simple I encourage people to to take a little bit of time just to take stock of your thoughts you know what's what's on my mind today am I discouraged about something am I worried uh, kind of preemptively face what you're thinking about. And that's something to, to offer to God in prayer ahead of time. And I think that sometimes we jump into silent prayer, and it's like all the stuff that we've been worried about just comes roaring to our consciousness all of a sudden. And I would also encourage folks to set like really like low goals, like three, five minutes at the most of silence. The goal is to get up to 10 or 20 minutes of silence, and, um, you know, just integrate it with your life. You know, when you're washing the dishes and you're driving around town and you're taking a walk or running, there are, you know, more specific you know, guidance about how to sit still or sit in a chair and breathe a certain way. You know, different teachers have different, different teachings, but just get the silence any way you can and, and just ask God to, to guide you hmm. in, into what you need. You know, what I really needed was to use the word beloved as kind of a, a prayer word to center on, yeah. to remember that, that I don't have anything to prove. Uh, other people may be, just need to use the word Jesus, just the name Jesus, and center on that. And other people may really resonate with using Scripture, you know, so the, the Jesus prayer of, of, you know, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. You know, there's different ways that you can, you can let go of your thoughts. You know, just find out what makes sense to you and, and where you feel like the Spirit's leading you and what, yeah, I think also just what feels comfortable and and start to progress from there. Just try to make that space and just do it, do it a little bit and then and then grow. And, and so you use that prayer word to let go of thoughts. And, you know, we can kind of beat ourselves up about, I'm not praying right, I'm not doing it good. Like, the effect of it has very little to do with you. You just need to, just to maintain silence and, and to make that space. And then whatever happens, happens. It's just up to God and it's safe. We just, we place our, ourselves uh, in God's grace and mercy. And we trust that as we make the space for, for God in our lives, that the transformation we need will happen on God's timetable and that we don't have anything to measure or prove or to make it more effective. We just need to make that time and space. Ed Szeski, our guest, he's a pastor, has also written a book called Flee, Be Silent, Pray, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians. Think about these words as we go to our break. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. That's Psalm 46, verse 10. 
part of what we're talking about today with Flee, Be Silent, and Pray. It's a new book from Ed Zazeski. Take a quick break. Come back and chat some more with Ed here on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, continuing our chat with Ed Sazeski, author of the book Flee, Be Silent, Pray, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians. Uh, maybe just we could wrap up our time with you sharing a, 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 you know, a thing or two or three that you've experienced as you've, as you've been, you know, I'm sure as with anything, as a discipline, it takes time to even understand because someone listening in might be like, that sounds a little too, I don't know. I don't understand it. Okay. Well, maybe you should read yeah. and try, like take time and, yeah. you know, get it, understand what it would be, be about. So, you know, as yeah. part of what, what, what has come to mind for you or what are some things you've, you've learned and discovered as you've been doing contemplative prayer? I mean, the biggest thing is that I described it like this. I used to have, I've, I've had like neck pain and for a while I was, I was kind of walking crooked and like my body was kind of out of whack, and I went to physical therapy, and they did some adjustments. And I walked out of that office, and it really felt weird to walk. Hmm. And what I realized is that I'd just been walking kind of crooked <laughs> for years because of my neck and shoulders being kind of out, of out of whack. And I think that sometimes we don't know what it feels like to be healthy, and we get so immersed in our thoughts and our days and our busyness. And I think if you commit yourself to this for the long term, you won't necessarily notice the big flashbang conversion testimony moment, but over time you will notice if you miss it and you'll start to realize, Oh, this is what it feels like to be healthy and present and aware of God and aware of other people and, and centered in God's love. It, it does take a commitment. I don't think it needs to be a lot. I think that you could start small, but I think you will see the results over time. Or I, I like to say I was running. Like it took me about three months, to really feel like going for a run wasn't agony. And a contemplative prayer is kind of like that, like where like I learned to let go of my thoughts just like a runner learns to hit their stride. It does become easier and natural over time, and it becomes something you can just integrate throughout your day just to be aware of God's love and to turn to God in, in uh, awareness each day. And even learning, um, you know, to be okay with the fact that it, you are learning and to not be like, I'm not doing it right. <laughs> You're right. 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 <laughs> yeah. Cause God's the one doing it. God's the one doing the, the prayer in you. So that's the, the beauty of it is that it's just pure grace. Yeah. Well, and as with any part of, I guess uh, our lives, the contemplative prayer or otherwise, uh, you know, you could probably trace it back to they're all done in a way. If the, the more that we really can understand God's love for us more deeply then it, it really frees us to be, even living life and not knowing what we're talking about and trying to figure it out and understand and grow. Cause even you in your book, you mentioned like 20 years ago, you would never have written this book. Right. So, right. <laughs> yeah. so it's a, it's a part of God's faithfulness to keep, like you said, I think it's a, one of the key things you said in the book is that God's already there rather than you kind of got to get everything in a row or mostly in a row, or keep it in a row. Otherwise God's not around. Yeah, this is the kind of prayer, if your life is a mess, this is perfect for you. Is, you know, the messier you are, the better this will be for you. The, like, the less you think you know, the, I mean, this, this, is, this is so simple. You know, anybody can, can spend five minutes and just, and just meditate on the, the name of Jesus. Like, that's, 
low-hanging fruit here. So I think with uh, all the current struggles, Ed, uh, you tell me, and this was another question that just came to mind, the, the distractions that are yeah. in the culture, there are so many. Uh, um, yeah. It's hard to have five minutes quiet of anything, <laughs> let alone right. prayer, uh, consistent, I mean, in a row, without, especially if you have children or whatever else. But uh, yeah. is there any, any thoughts on that as far as how you do, practically speaking, how you help minimize distractions or... Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about that. My next book is actually all about how technology impacts our ability to pray because we're trained for the quick hits of affirmation and and connection on, on social media and on our phones. And so, yeah, like, you know, definitely removing apps from your phone as much as you can. And, you know, there's a, there's a, a movement called the Humane Technology Movement that has uh, it's all former social media and technology executives who recognize how how compulsive we can be with our use of technology. And so, you know, they have all kinds of apps and different ways you can change your settings to make it easier to keep off your phone. And so, yes, like remove notifi- like stop notifications and That's a you know one. use use a tracking use tracking software like a an app called Moment where you can see how much time you're on your screen and like okay. I can't find five minutes to pray, but look at your screen time at the end of the day. And, you know, like, wow. What's that one called again? Moment? Moment, Moment yeah. Is the name yep. of the app. That, that would be a real telltale thing because I could bet most people would say, I, I know, oh, I, or, and or I, I kind of need it, even the idea of uh, right. what if someone yeah. called me? What if someone, like, okay, yeah, sure, anyone could have. The fact you have a phone, by definition, someone could have texted you, someone could have yeah, called yeah. you. So uh, that would be interesting at the end of the day to say, Oh, an hour and 42 minutes. Really? I checked it that much? I was on it that, or I used it that much. And again, not that it's an evil thing, but you got to really be careful. Yeah, to be honest, like I, I use my phone to help me pray by, you know, I put it on the do not disturb mode and I use the timer to time myself just to make sure I don't give up early. You know? like, yeah, sure. It becomes too hard to be silent. Like I definitely use my phone. I try to keep it out of sight. I don't want to be looking at it, but... You know, I use the timer to keep myself honest to make sure I, I do make that time to be silent and still. So it, it, it can have some usage. But I think that, yeah, I mean, we our, our family doesn't have a television. I haven't had a television uh, that I've owned since college. And that, that makes a big difference because I think that, you know, the first thing you do in the morning a lot of times is you turn the television on. I always used to. Um, I always wanted to have the SBN on or whatever. So yeah, the funny thing is there's a lot of great books out right now about habits and habit formation. And uh, the people who design social media, they work with the Stanford Persuasive Technology Lab where they've mastered the art of habit formation. So they know how to make using their products a habit. And maybe that's okay. And, you know, in an industry, it's like, well, they, they need to make money and that's what they do. But I think as, as a user, I think we should know that these, these kind of habit formation tricks are being used. And when you look at what monks and, and nuns do for their lives and their prayers, it's habits. Like they have really good habits. And so even if you're you know, a Protestant, Protestant like me, learning a little bit from a monk could do you some good as far as just what it looks like to have good habits. And yeah. you know, what's the first thing you do in the morning? Is it check your email or social media? Could you give yourself a different cue to to pray, to maybe sign up for a you know a prayer email that comes to you every morning? And so, if you are inclined to check your email every morning, why don't you have something that will help you pray arriving in your inbox? You know, like stuff like that. You can do little little tricks to kind of help yourself make that space for prayer. 
Ed Szeski has been our guest. The brand new book, Flee, Be Silent, Pray. It sounds like your next book, whenever it comes out, maybe you're going to want to package these two together at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I know yeah. you've written a number of other books, too, Coffeehouse Theology, A Christian Survival Guide, and uh, you've been in Christianity Today and others. And so it's neat that people can uh, get to know you in this regard. And that history, you said your dad's, what was it again? His plumbing business was on WFIL years ago, advertising? Years what, ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was the name of that? Do you remember? No, he no longer owns the business, but it is called uh, Andrews Plumbing. Okay, oh, that's cool. And you got a chance to be here. I was going to say, uh, are you are you still in the tri-state area, or where where are you these days? No, I'm in uh, I'm in Western Kentucky. My okay. wife is a professor at uh, Murray State, home of John Morant. So that's that's where we're at right now. Is so we are definitely homesick for the East Coast, but. <laughs> Well, and you mentioned ESPN there. So, I mean, do you still keep? Do you, are you a Philly fan? Are you a Kentucky Wildcats fan at this point, or what do you do for for that? I'm I'm hardcore Flyers. So, yeah, we got my kids kids playing hockey in Kentucky. I don't know. There's a whole lot of other kids playing <laughs> hockey in our town. That's great. <laughs> uh, we get our family to mail us, uh, you know, Flyers gear and yeah, stuff like that. It's kind of funny. We went to a, a parade in our town, and uh, our kids are wearing their Flyers stuff. And some guy was handed out candy and said. You're wearing flyers gear. You lose a bet. I was like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> lose a bet. What? I'm talking Kentucky. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Well, we have a gentleman named Brian Smith, who is their uh, media manager, and he actually does the broadcast in between uh, radio broadcast between uh, periods when they're away. And he's joined our program okay. a number of times. We've had several other people in the Flyers organization on over the years, and way back in the day, John Van Beesbrook, who was a goalie for the Flyers joined us oh, yeah. and stuff like that. So uh, we have some Flyers relationships. I actually go down and cover the team every now and again uh, in season. So that's neat to know that <laughs> you never would know. That's why I like to ask the question. You never know. So, well, yeah. well, maybe you can pay a visit to the station again if you're in town the next time and get a, get a you know reintroduction to the radio. Great. I love that. Thank you. Very, very good. Well, God bless you. Thank you for taking time. Flee, be silent, pray the book from Ed Szeski. Uh, and have a great rest of your day, Ed. Thank you, too. Thanks so much for having me. Sure thing. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Pastor and author Ed Szeski, our guest on the show today. His book is called Flee, Be Silent, Pray, Ancient Prayers for Anxious Christians. Thanks, South Jersey, for making the Tim DeMoss Show part of your day on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. We are back. You are listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on AM560, WFIL, and WFIL.com. I have a phone call coming in. Hello, WFIL. Daddy. Hello? Hi, Daddy. <laughs> Is this my daughter, Theodora? Yeah. How you doing? <laughs> How you doing, kiddo? Good. What you, what you doing? You know, I'm doing a radio show right now. Yeah, I know. You told me to call. Well, Mom said you wanted to call. Did... Yeah, I know. I've been wanting to call for a long time. Did you just want to tell your dad you loved him or what? Yeah, and your show is awesome. Oh, I'm glad I'm you like it. I'm sitting on my bed right now. Yeah? Yeah. That's great. Well, uh-huh. I'm glad you're listening. Uh-huh. Tell Mom I love her, okay? Okay. And, and your other other siblings. Thanks. For, and your other siblings. All yeah. Right. Okay. Is Tori doing okay? Yeah. All right. You guys having a good day? Mm-hmm. All right. Thanks, sweetheart. I'll talk to you soon. 
Bye, Daddy. Bye, doll. All right. Well, there you go. There are a lot of things that I enjoy about being here day to day, and that's one of them. Playing a song every now and again is good, too, like this classic from DC Talk, In the Light, Live by L. Five sixty WFIL WFIL.com. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus' Son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through 9, classic from DC Talk. And in the light, I believe that was actually written by Charlie Peacock, well-known producer and recording artist, among other things, who appears near the end of that song, a little cameo as well. The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL, WFIL.com. Thank you for tuning in. If you enjoy the program, one of the things, just a quick reminder, feel free to let someone know about it. We do have podcasts of our programs as well at WFIL.com. You're welcome to help yourself. You've been listening to The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on 560 WFIL. For complete shows and interviews, download our podcast at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.